Good afternoon, TechConnex, and welcome back to the TechConnex podcast, Business of Your Business. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Ellis, and today we have Mishkin Bertigue, the CEO and co-founder of Bertigue Consulting. And joining me today is my amazing co-partner in work. I am Kelly Phillips, and I am the Membership Development Manager here at TechConnex. So today we are very fortunate to get a brief snippet of time with uh, Mishkin Bertig of uh, Bertig Consulting. And um, Mishkin, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Kelly. Um, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> That's pretty cliche, isn't it? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. But honestly, honestly, I am glad to be here. I love talking. I'm a trainer. And uh, so ask, ask away, I'm, I'm here to talk and I love it, so. <laughs> you know, so obviously we're, we're starting on a, on a light foot here. So, um, you know, I'm gonna go right into, um, you know, some of the questions uh, that we've been uh, wanting to ask you for a little bit is, who is Michigan Bertigue? And, uh, you know, tell us about yourself. Oh boy. Yeah, well, um, I'm, uh, <laughs> so I, I think of myself in terms of categories, but uh, the one that's most relevant perhaps is that I'm a business owner and a trainer and consultant, but I'm also, you know, a husband and a father and a cyclist and an adult fan of Lego and all sorts of crazy weird stuff. Um, I even have been back to school to study mathematics recently and, um, eh, you know, kind of geeky, kind of, uh, uh, I'm an introvert though. So I also really just like staying home and watching Netflix for many hours at a time and uh, reading novels and stuff like that too. So, yeah. Interesting trainer yet introvert. That's a... Uh... Yeah, well, I'm well socialized, shall we say. Um, <laughs> No, there's, there's a little bit of a story there. Uh, very briefly, when I was uh, between grade 10 and 11, I was quite um, sort of depressed with my own personality. I thought I had a horrible personality and I decided to change it. And um, specifically what I did is I, I practiced being outgoing. I went to a conference over the summer, which was actually in London, Ontario, where I live now. Um, at the time I was in Saskatoon. And I practiced uh, mostly by trying to talk to uh, young girls that I thought were attractive, who were also at the conference, but just in general, um, you know, introducing myself and trying to be outgoing. And it translated into, you know, high school the next year in grade 11 and uh, bought some nice clothes and, uh, yeah, anyway, I don't wear nice clothes anymore because of COVID, but you know, um, <laughs> the, the outgoing part did stick. <laughs> so did you try to emulate somebody? Was there somebody famous that you you were like, all right, maybe maybe there was an actor, maybe it was John Cusack at the time. I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm just, I don't yeah, want to no. date you, but it was like Tom Cruise, you know, Val no, Kilmer. You know what? Actually, um, so interestingly enough because you mentioned this before we started recording it was my dad um so um my dad is incredibly outgoing super charismatic um he talks to everyone you know in the grocery store lineup 
Um, you know, and just he's he's always interested in people. And um, to me, that was that was always kind of a curious thing. I, I was very shy and I, I decided I wanted to be more like that. Um, and um, yes, I know who John Cusack is. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting close to 50. And so I'd say now for a good uh, 35 years of my life, I've had a different personality and quite consciously, so. I did not expect this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mishkin, on, on that note then, and you, you said that you're a trainer. So tell us about Bertig Consulting. Yeah, so, okay. You know how, um, like in, in mid-size and large organizations, there's this middle layer of management. And like, unfortunately, it's often very disrespected. Like when I was in software development, for example, I would hear about the frozen middle. These are the people who resist any change and, you know, stuff like that. But um, it turns out that middle managers are actually kind of in a in a tough position and on one hand they've got executives who are talking about all the amazing strategic initiatives and lines of action that need to be implemented and there's a lot of pressure to do things faster and faster and faster and and middle managers are supposed to implement this stuff and then on the other hand we have the staff who are overworked um, and who are often in really psychologically unsafe environments where they're worried about their jobs. They want to have some good work-life balance. And, and the managers actually, I've come to learn, actually care about those people, surprisingly enough. But, but they're stuck in this really stressful position between executives and their staff. And um, <laughs> so... You know, like my my background is in software development, and uh, but I but I've worked in a lot of different industries even back then when I was doing software development. And I kept seeing this kind of problem over and over again, where um, there'd be all this stress around communication about things like deadlines and you know projects and visions and all this kind of stuff. And and these middle managers were really really struggling with these things, so. Um, recently, um, I'm, I'm not going to say too much about recently, but recently, um, I've also noticed that, like, do you ever hear a middle manager saying, oh, I am a middle manager and it's amazing, right? Like, middle managers don't talk like that. Like, they're not, because, because it's not a respected position. Anyway, I'm really excited about this because I think there's just so much amazing work to be done here. And so, the company is all about and has always been about helping organizations to execute effectively, reduce stress, create better work environments, have everyone be really uh, proud of the work they're doing, feel like they're making a contribution to the world, that they're creating good connections with each other in their organizations. And that you know, all of this is really about creating meaning in the workplace for middle managers and staff. Executives, they've got it good in a sense, right? Like they, admittedly, there's stress there too, but you know, they've got the power to do things about that stress. Whereas 
middle managers and staff don't usually have a lot of power to do stuff about the stresses that they're facing. And, and, and that's what we help with. And yeah, we use this thing called agile and scrum and blah, blah, blah. But you know, that that's, that's never been the point, right? For me, right from the very beginning of the, of starting this business, it's about um, basically helping create better work environments. Cause in a lot of places they just suck. Michigan tells it as it is. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you guys are in a good work environment. But you know, if, if you're not, I can help. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, Rim Pratik, you guys are founded in uh, 2004. And, you know, coming, you are in your 17th year, maybe getting close to your 18th year of operations. Um, one unique um you know, facet to uh, Boutique is that you have co-founded this with your wife, Melanie, and just interested, how has that worked dynamic? Like, how has that worked out? Because it's, it's not, you don't see this every day, a, a well-oiled machine, um, you know, being powered by a married couple. So how, <laughs> how's that, how's that worked out? So, okay. So you said we've been in business for just over 17 years. Uh, for 16 of those years, it was really, really awful. No, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but um, but not much. So, um, you know, when, when we started the business, it was mostly me saying, I want to work with you. I'm writing your name in on the articles of incorporation. And then for, you know, 10 years or so, her kind of resenting that. And then for the last... I, I don't know exactly seven-ish years her participating more actively. And um, it's really only in the last year that it's kind of been like, ah, cool. We're, we're aligned. We know where we're headed. Um, and in all that time, you know, to be fair, we have a fantastic relationship. We've always known how to resolve conflict and to be um, like collaborative and, and so on and so forth. Um, but, but it has been very stressful. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It has been extremely stressful at times for both of us at, and at different times and in different ways. Um, our personalities are very, very different. Um, I'm like a super risk taker um, in, in terms of money. She's extremely conservative in terms of money. And um, I'm, I'm the guy who's like, Money, who cares? We'll just spend it. It's okay. We'll get more somehow, right? And <laughs> let's just say that that's not worked well. But but in fact, actually, what's happened is we've balanced each other out. And um, over the years, I've learned to become more responsible, thankfully. Um, and she's learned to take a bit more risk with money. And so I'd say that um, you know the the foundation of it, though. And, and, and this is something I don't talk about a lot, but the foundation of it for us is really actually spiritual, that we, we know that we have an eternal connection and that anything that we do together is permanent. Like it's, we're, we're our, our marriage is a fortress. I don't, I don't know if that's quite the right analogy, but it's like, um, we do our utmost to protect each other, to make sure that we're united. 
And yeah, there's, there's challenges along the way. And, and certainly running a business together has been a pretty intense experience. Um, but, you know, we also have four kids who are amazing and um, we each have our own time for hobbies and interests and stuff. My Melanie's really into pottery um, and she sells stuff online. And, you know, it's like, it, it's cool, actually. And, you know, we're getting older, so we're also kind of relaxed more. We're jaded. We're like, yeah, life is just like that, you know? <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. It, it does make things different when you are working with your spouse. So you have a unique situation there. As a whole, what do you think makes Bertigue different and stand out from other organizations that might be similar to yourself? Yeah. Oh, man. You know, this is this is the billion dollar question. And um, I, I mean that almost literally that you know, every organization struggles with this question. How are we different? How are we not just a commodity? And, you know, the, the answer is never static. So, so over time, it's actually shifted. Um, right now, I'm one of the longest standing uh, certified Scrum trainers in the world. Um, I was trained by the founders of Scrum. Is that really a differentiator though? After so many years, there are a number of other people who are kind of in that position. Um, the, the fact that we are one of the longest standing agile consultancies in the world, let alone Canada, is another significant thing. But do people always care about that? So, you know, I think there's, there's kind of two dimensions to it because we actually have two major services that we provide. And, and they're each differentiated slightly differently. Um, so in terms of training, which we do a lot of, um, our training is designed to be ultra practical. Um, we <laughs> actually, so I got into training before I got into business. Um, uh, one year uh, for a summer job, actually, um, I did a short training contract with Keanu College up in Fort McMurray, where my dad lived. Mm -hmm. And it was because I was a techie. I was, I was training people in Microsoft Windows 3.1, um, basic use and um, email before anyone knew what email was and, you know, stuff like that, right? And um, I loved it. You know, it was, it was my first opportunity actually standing in a classroom. There was a bunch of people who were like anywhere from 10 to 30 years older than me. Cause I was like, what, I don't know, 21 or 22 or something like that. And, and I loved it. Um, my parents are educators anyway, blah, 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 blah. So, so I, I, I take education really seriously. Actually, since we've got time, let me even just add a little <laughs> bit more to this story. Please do, please do. In grade two is when I started thinking about education. Um, my, my dad was teaching me some math stuff, like learning how to multiply. And I can't remember all the details, but um, he came with me to school one day um, to show my grade two teacher at the time 
all this stuff that I was learning because he was really proud of me. You know, I was thinking about infinity and mathematical paradoxes <laughs> and all sorts of stuff like that. And, um, and the teacher got really upset and actually said he shouldn't like to my dad, he shouldn't be learning this stuff. And at that moment, I, like I became aware of being taught, right? Like it, it was kind of like all of a sudden, oh, I'm, I'm in a system and there's, there's alternatives. And so um, I, I would daydream in class. Like I remember in grade four, I was daydreaming about how the, the classroom layout could be better to support learning more. And um, I started reading books about alternative education systems. And um, like, anyway, so I'm, I'm a bit of an education geek as well. And um, I've spent a large amount of my life thinking about how to effectively educate and what effective education looks like. Um, I've, throughout my whole life, I've tutored people in mathematics because I love it so much, right? Um, aside from my professional work. Um, so what does that mean? Well, in our training, we are always at the absolute most advanced, most effective uh, techniques and styles of education. Um, we leverage technology, of course. Uh, for example, these days, no one wants to sit on Zoom listening to someone lecture. Good Lord, why on earth would you do that? YouTube has existed for like however many years. You can get everything you could possibly need in terms of lecture from YouTube. So we've, we've almost completely taken lecture out of many of the training classes that we do. So what, what are you left with? Well, exercises, practice, collaboration, a bit of discussion, but even that, you can get that on, you know, Discord. People discuss to the ends of the earth about everything. And so even discussion isn't a value add in a training program. Yeah, you do a little bit of it. What's really value add is getting people practice and giving them feedback real time. That's it. <laughs> and um, so, okay, so that's one. Boy, you opened up a can of worms here, right? Like, <laughs> um, and then on the consulting and coaching side, which is the other kind of main service that we do, which is really where we find um, the most transformation happens. In some ways, we have a similar philosophy in that, you know, everything that we do is about helping the, the humans and the systems that they work within to change. And, and training is like that too, right? It's, it's all about change. Um, but... Uh, What's really amazing and, and part of what is um, kind of our, our long-term um, experience, I guess, is that when we do our coaching, we have systematic programs that are um, tested over and over again, evolved, matured, that really make a huge difference in terms of both bottom line results and in terms of the feeling of the people that are in those environments. And so like we have testimonials of, of 
you know, these, these managers who have gone through these programs that are like, they're, they're like, my life has been completely changed. I am a completely different person. I see my work completely differently now. And um, that kind of transformation is, is what we're about, that incredibly positive transformation of the work environment. And, and so like a lot of the people we train get you know, rapid promotions because they're just bringing so much more value to their organization. You know, so, so what's the differentiator? Well, it's that what we do works really, really, really well. We're, we're not just like the, you know, the, the kumbaya life coach who says, oh, whatever you want to do, you can achieve it and I'll support you. No, we're like, we're like the sports team coach for the highest performing professional sports teams. Like we help you win basically. And um, that's our differentiator there. It's not complicated. Although it took me a long time to say it. <laughs> I was going to say, it's okay though, because you, you alluded to this kind of started back in grade four for yourself. And when you're sitting there looking at what kind of, what effective education is going to look like. And I think what that has happened is that it's translated into a passion for you. And it's a passion for just making sure that your clients, your customers are satisfied and have that aha moment. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like I'll say a bit more about it because transformation is kind of a generic word. Like transformation can also be bad. And like, I, I really strongly feel like we have a higher purpose in our business, which is to create environments where like the individual people in those work environments can use their own talents, their own passions, their own interests, and apply them to creating knowledge and beauty in the world. Like those are the two things in the world that matter, more knowledge, more beauty. And everything else is kind of like a, a pastime, right? It might be fun, it might be interesting, but like knowledge and beauty is what advances civilization. And, and I really feel like um, what I'm doing is contributing to the advancement of civilization. Yeah, it's only a small part, but, but that's, that's what really drives me. Well, I think we're going to have uh, an exercise in changing fatigue to Belichick. <laughs> what? <laughs> Belichick, uh, he's the coach of the Patriots, and just like the tramp, oh. that's what I was thinking. The ultimate, the ultimate coach, transformation of <laughs> taking zeros to heroes is Belichick. So, cool. Who's <laughs> got more Super Bowls? So, so I didn't mean to throw you off there. Um, that's okay. I, you know, the the ironic <laughs> thing is that I don't really follow sports that much. Um, I, I, yeah. That's all right. Fair I've enough. Always, <laughs> I've always felt like it was a real waste of time. <laughs> anyway, um, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> um, what? Now we're not talking about sports goals. Um, you know, what are the? What are your goals? What are, what's? Uh, what are your personal and, and business goals that you want to hit within? The rest of 2021 going into 2022. Yeah. Well, so um, a, a big thing is is for me that I'm coming up to a major milestone. I'm I'm turning 50 in January, and um, I'm 
I'm loving it. I'm I'm thinking, okay, this is this is an opportunity to, you know, like these milestones are completely arbitrary, of course, right? Who really cares the number five zero? What does it mean? But it's it's fun to think of it as as a as a sort of inflection point in my life. Um, and so, you know, a lot of my goals are both personal and business because I am so involved in my business. But on the, per on the purely personal side, as I mentioned, I'm into cycling. Um, I've, got, I've got some pretty intense goals there. Um, I've, I've spent a, a horrendous amount of money on a new bicycle and um, I'm, I'm just loving it. It's like, I, I you know, in, in my brain, I can't justify, you know, $250,000 or more for a, you know, a high-end sports car. But I really want to go fast and going fast on a, you know, $5,000 bicycle is actually just as good. It's awesome, in fact. And um, so, you know, this is, this is sort of like just one of those things that I've always had in the background. Um, when I was in school as a youth, I cycled year round and loved it. And I was in like, super ultra good shape. And eh, once I started driving, that kind of gradually just went downhill and further downhill and further and further and further downhill. And so when COVID hit, um, I'd say the first two or three months, um, it got a lot worse. You know, I put on, you know, 15 extra pounds already. And it, it was like, oh man, I got to do something. And then I realized, hey, my birthday's coming up. I'll be turning 50 not too long from now. And um, so I, I have some pretty intense goals in terms of my health, my fitness. Um, it did, you know, uh, August a year ago, I also had some blood work done. And it's like, ah, you know, you're getting old. I've got, you know, pre diabetic signs and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I've, I've got to take control of that aspect of my life and take it more seriously like I've never done before. Um, so, so that's occupying a surprisingly large amount of my spare time. Um, it turns out that, uh, you know, getting to the point of being able to join a cycling club is non-trivial. Um, you know, I, I, I want to actually be able to hold my own out there with people who are more serious about cycling I'm, I'm never going to be in competitions, but, you know, the, the reality is, is that um, I, compared to where I started about a year ago, I've got, uh, I've made it about halfway to where I want to be. Um, and I've only got, you know, what, three or three or four months left. So it's going to be pretty intense <laughs> few months. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of goals that I have in terms of the business. I don't want to talk about them in too much detail, but um, we have started growing again after an initial hit with the pandemic. Um, you know, we we were 100% in-person uh, training, coaching, consulting, and now we're 100% virtual and we're staying that way. Um, even, even if things reopen, um, I suppose there might be clients that eventually we agree to uh, do in-person work with, but the the fact is is that we've found the the remote techniques to be absolutely fantastic it's opened up a, a huge um opportunity in terms of expanding our marketplace mm -hmm. because we were very very focused in the toronto area so i'd say 
that's one of our biggest goals is, um, you know, over the last six months or so, we've, we've started to put in place strategies to expand quite substantially outside of the Toronto area marketplace for our services. And, and so, yeah, there's, you know, aggressive growth goals. We hope to quadruple in revenue by the end of this year. Um, sorry, not uh, 2021, our fiscal year. So anyway, middle of next year. Um, and uh, we've, we've been going hardcore on getting ourselves all trained. So, you know, for a long time, I was like, I'm the trainer. I don't need any training. No way. <laughs> really stupid. Anyway, um, but, you know, with age, you get wisdom. And so um, over the last year, my team has been training. I've been training um, in all sorts of stuff re related to business. Um, just a, a quick shout out. Um, we're, we're engaging a, a coach for marketing and sales, a guy named Jay Abraham, who's you know, world renowned. And I, I expect that um, since we, we just started with him, but I, but I expect amazing things to come from this kind of new attitude internally of, hey, you know, if, if we deliver training and we think it's valuable, maybe we should get some training ourselves too, right? Like it's, it, it just, it's, it's a piece of having integrity with what we do even. And I think that having that integrity also leads to success. So anyway, uh, lots of goals. Um, my, my kids are in school and trying to start businesses themselves and I wanna help them. Yeah, anyway, tons. I'm, I have too many interests and too many goals. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing to have. It sounds like kind of the pandemic itself made you reset, refocus. And, you know, yeah, you took a, a few steps backwards, but you realized that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And, yeah. you know, we have a way of making it shine a little bit brighter. You've alluded to it a little bit. What are maybe your, um, uh, what's your three to five year vision for Vertique? Uh, you know, Okay, so it's 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 one of those things where I don't have a three to five year vision. I actually have a five hundred year vision. Okay. Um, so three to five years, I don't know where I'll be. I, I assume we'll be bigger and better and doing more work, and you know, but but the chances are we'll still be relatively small, right? Like even if we double or triple for five years in a row that doesn't get you that far. And then there's, and then there's limits to growth, but what we're really interested in doing is establishing, um, a, a, an organization that can last for centuries because we're as humans, we're always going to be doing work. There's always going to be people that need to coordinate work and there will always be a need for education to be better at work. Um, humans are in part, I think, so strongly defined by what they do that I, I can't see any reason to suspect that we might not be working in 500 years. Like humans are going to work, <laughs> right? And um, so, so serving that need, and again, it's, it's really related to this idea of 
advancing civilization, um, making people who make, making environments and helping people to uh, create knowledge, to create beauty, um, and and that that's going to be forever, right? So. Yeah, we have some growth goals for five years and 10 years, typical kind of blah, 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 you know, whatever percentage growth rate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but that's not the interesting part, really. It, the interesting part is for us to get better and better and better and better at, at helping these work environments uh, and, and the people within them. So maybe, maybe I'll do a little flip on this, uh, Michigan. Um, I know you do a lot of work with the banking uh, community, um, telco. Are there any market segments that you are looking to break into um, in the next 500 years? <laughs> <laughs> is there something that's exciting? Is there, like, is there a possibility of getting into more, you know, the medical field? Yeah. Um, you know, um, other technologies, is there, um, you know, is there, what's exciting you? What's, uh, yeah, so, so we have, like, it, you're right, we've done quite a bit with uh, finance and with um, uh, telecom. Um, we've, we've, but we've got actually a really diverse uh, industry base already. And so we've done work with medical and pharmaceutical. We've done work with education. We've done work with government. We've done work with um, big industry like mining and nuclear. Um, and so, so I don't, I don't see a lot of uh, limits in terms of what we focus on in that way. I think, I think the the interesting thing, and this is this is maybe per, a personal prejudice, I suppose, but um, we don't do much with entertainment, and I don't really anticipate that changing. Um, but I would love to somehow get involved more with um, things that are related to the arts. Um, so, and I know there's a lot of overlap between the entertainment and arts, right? But um, but if I, if I think about it in terms of my family, they're all educators, but they're also all artists. Um, I'm, I'm kind of the only one who's not professionally an artist in my family. Um, and so I have this huge respect for the arts. I'd love to find ways to work in that field, um, but that's not a strategy. That's just a personal interest, right? Um, Strategically speaking, we continue to work with mid-size and large organizations in almost any industry. Um, and, um, you know, like we, we have active clients in, you know, finance and pharmaceuticals and a whole bunch of different industries, high tech, lots of high tech clients. Um, and, and so to me, that, that's not, I, I guess, I think what I'm looking for that's that's more new strategically is um, really about how we help these middle managers. A lot of a lot of what we've done has been in terms of agile, um, Scrum, Kanban, and so forth. Those are fantastic tool sets, and for me, it's more about um, you know adding things in terms of our our skills and our services related to things like. Um, community development internally to organizations because community is is like under the radar there are communities in organizations but very rarely are they 
systematically nurtured and developed and, and you know, made to help both the people and the organization. Um, the, uh, another thing is we've, because I have a technology background, I, we haven't done much with it, but I'm always interested in getting into the details of technology and helping organizations with uh, the skill sets, the tools, the, 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 you know, et cetera, the systems that people are using. Um, as, as Scrum and Kanban coaches and consultants, we're not often asked to help with that. But me and my, my colleagues, we have expertise in that stuff, which we would really love to leverage because we see so many organizations underutilizing their, their technology or, or the skills of, of the people who are their technical contributors. Um, so those are, those are two areas that I, that I hope we expand into more over the next few years. Um, it's not so much the industry, it's, it's kind of the, the, this related set of um, services that we might provide. Um, yeah. I like the sounds of that. I was, gonna, I was almost gonna make a joke about you working with government. You might need to go back and <laughs> you might need to go revisit that one. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and we've done some great work with some departments of government, but uh, government overall still still needs some work. Yes. <laughs> so a question, you know, we we actually I think you've touched on it a little bit here, but you talk about having a technical background. So how did your career path going through when you're 21 start training a technical background? lead you to Vertique and starting it as an organization? Yeah, so again, it starts very, very early in my life. Um, I grew up reading Richie Rich and Uncle Scrooge comics, and I always wanted to start a business. <laughs> and so even as a kid, um, me and my brother tried like, I don't know, half a dozen times to start various types of businesses, and they were all complete and utter failures. Um, but it, 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 it never stopped being an interest for me. And then what happened in, in school is I kind of accidentally ended up with a computer science degree. Um, in my first year, I had an amazing professor who mentored me and who I still owe a huge debt of gratitude to because he really encouraged me. But I was an awful student, really. Like I failed so many classes just because I didn't attend. It was, it's ridiculous. And I did manage to get out of there with a degree eventually, but it took some work. <laughs> and um, so, so me getting into the computer field was um, kind of an accident in, in terms of my schooling. I, I was interested in math. I was interested in education. Uh, I was interested in business. I, I took, you know, an accounting class of all things, and um, it was as boring as you can possibly imagine, but I still learned a lot. Um, and, and so when I got out of school, um, I, I, again, I, I was often involved with startups. Um, uh, two buddies of mine and, and I did uh, some work at a startup in Calgary for about a year. Um, then I got hired by Sun Microsystems in California and moved out there, but I didn't like the corporate environment that much. Um, so I didn't stay long. Then I got involved in a consulting company and then another startup. And, 
you know, it, but it was all technically oriented. Um, but along the way, I accidentally got involved with agile methods and techniques and had a few accidental experiences with training. I, I was doing a contract with Charles Schwab in San Francisco as a senior technical contributor. And um, the guy who was managing me asked me if I'd like to deliver some technical training. I was like, yeah, sure, why not, right? Um, and I started talking to them about Agile and started talking to the executives. And, you know, I, I, I've never had any fear of talking to people after grade 11. Before that, lots of fear. But after grade 11, no fear of talking to people. So, you know, <laughs> when I would join a company, I'd often send a, an email to the CEO introducing myself and... <laughs> It's like, just, you know, whatever, right? Who is this guy? This guy's got a lot of... Um, and uh, it, it got me some interesting conversations, at least. And um, so I, you know, I started a, a consulting business that was technically oriented in 99 and worked as an independent consultant, but I could never make it as a business. I tried starting an e-learning uh, business also in 99. That went like a few inches, but then failed. Um, dot com, you know, that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I've always been interested in business. I've, I've started and failed, um, you know, a few <laughs> uh, times. And um, Vertigue is the one that stuck. And right away, um, from my very first contracts, I, I always was thinking about leveraging the business side of it, growing the business, bringing in subcontractors, hiring people. It's been up and down. I, I don't really have business training, so I've made an awful lot of mistakes along the way, um, but survived so far, and uh, it's, it's been great. Excellent. I can't remember what the question is and if I answered it anymore. <laughs> It, it's okay. Well, you're good. <laughs> um, you know, final, I'm going to ask you the final, the serious question before we have a, yeah. a little bit of fun. Um, obviously, super busy, um, very busy family. How have you been able to keep a very healthy work and life balance? I, I haven't, honestly, like, especially when everything was in person, I was on the road all the time. And, you know, there was a part of me that really enjoyed it. Um, seeing new places. I, I, one year I went to China 11 times, for example, and saw a whole bunch of different cities, um, you know, lots of different places in the US, in Europe, uh, got to go to India once for work, um, you know, and, and there was, there's a certain um, level of thrill with going to a new place or even going to a place you've been before but haven't seen much of, um, you know. And uh, I still love traveling, but uh, with COVID, it's actually only with COVID that I've started to have a little bit of a work-life balance. Um, <laughs> forced to be at home, forced to not be traveling anymore. Um, and because of health issues in my family, like we've had to be particularly careful with COVID. Um, and so, 
even though in theory, I might have been able to travel for some work opportunities over the last year and a half, we just, I haven't. And I love it. I love being a homebody now. Working from home is great. Um, I'm still extremely busy though. And so uh, one thing that's nice, for example, is that I drive my two youngest kids to school in the morning and it's only 15 minutes, but it's every day. And you know, I don't get to spend a lot more time with them than that. Um, I try and do stuff on the weekends with them, but it doesn't happen every weekend. But, you know, we're like, I think like a lot of families, um, we don't have a regular dinner time. We, you know, there's, there's all sorts of issues with electronic devices in the house and how much time our kids spend on them. You know, we're, we're pretty normal that way. And, you know, I'm not going to claim that it's, it's particularly healthy. Um, I don't want to come across as being some sort of superhero dad here because um, it's, it's not like that. I love my kids. They love me. But um, in a sense, it's a little bit of a detached relationship sometimes. Um, our, our, our two oldest are in their 20s. They're still at home. And honestly, I don't see them that much which is probably okay since they're in their 20s. But, um, but the fact is, is that even when they were younger, I didn't see them much because I was traveling so much. So, um, you know, I, I hope that uh, the work ethic is like not something that turns out to be terribly destructive in their lives. I kind of leave that in God's hands, so to speak. And um you know, the, the fact is, is that when there are problems, yes, I'm, I'm definitely there, but um, yeah, it hasn't been great. Work-life balance, what's that? Honestly. <laughs> it's okay. It's fair enough. I know it can be a struggle for, for yeah. people. And, and as you say, this situation where you've been locked up at home has, has changed things. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, spending way more time with my family. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate the honesty because a lot of people just sugarcoat that and you know make blatantly lie to our faces but yeah <laughs> but I think I think like, like I think Cal like we've all like we've all had we've all hit the wall at some point in the last 18 months and yeah, yeah. uh yeah same you know same kind of boat having the kids here at, from work doing their schoolwork here back going back to school just like the ins and outs of uncertainty and online learning and just being cooped up like yeah. yeah, in some yeah, you bet. interesting, uh, interesting times. So I appreciate your honesty. Um, all right, fun time. We'll, uh, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you kind of the rules on this. This is just a really quick um, get to know you. They're really simple, um, yeah. basically one word questions here. You can elaborate if you like. So I am going to start. Do you, you prefer doubt that I will elaborate? <laughs> oh, well, I figure you will, but that, that's okay. We're, we're just making sure that you don't feel like you have to stay to a script here. Right, right, right. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, coffee or tea? Oh, God. <laughs> I have a complicated relationship with caffeine. So both and neither. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Gotcha. I, I can see... Maybe Michigan being a little hyper. Um. So, so I'm drinking coffee at the moment, but it, but it's here. Hold on a second. Take a laugh. 
this is my coffee. Oh, <laughs> decaffeinated. Yeah. No decaffeinated. name. No name decaffeinated. No name instant coffee. It's like the lowest of the low. <laughs> Cardboard. <laughs> um, salty or sweet? Salty. Absolutely. 100%. No doubt ever. It's a problem, actually. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite movie? Yes, I have several, but the one that comes to mind almost always is Run, Lola, Run. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, German movie. Yes, I yes. I don't normally like foreign films, but for some reason that one's great. Anyway. I've seen I've seen that as well. It is, uh, yeah, very, very good. Favorite book? Uh oh. Oh, I know you're great too, math textbook. Can I say favorite author instead? Sure. Robin, yeah. Robin Hobb. Uh, she's a fantasy author. Um, she's written a whole bunch of books in, uh, you know, this awesome world. And anyway, incredible characters, plots, mind blowing, just, you know, cry worthy, just everything. Like awesome, awesome books. Right. Robin Hobb. Cool, cool. Uh Okay, I know the answer to this already because you've already alluded to it. A night in or a night out? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a night in. Um, although I don't mind a night out once in a while. Um, yeah, I used to be a raver. Just <laughs> worth, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, this keeps getting better and better. Um, <laughs> I was so I do have a question written, but I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it because of something you said very dear, near and dear to my heart. Lego, your most unique Lego piece. Or my uh, most unique Lego piece. No. Or, uh, yeah. Okay, so I have like a hundred and fifty thousand pieces of Lego sitting in a room here. So that's a hard question to ask. Um, okay, how about how about this? Uh, favorite Lego theme or set? Say for okay. me, yes, for me, I'm a big Star Wars guy. Yeah, okay, so so there's three that I really like, Star Wars, modular buildings, and architecture. architecture. Um, nice. I, so what you really want to know, though, is that I've built um, a giant Lego Millennium Falcon that's actually bigger than the biggest official set, which is already huge. And uh, so it's uh, probably about 20,000 pieces. And anyway, it's a big one. Nice. There's a YouTube video, you can look it up. Okay, that's what I was gonna ask, because I know Ryan's a Lego person as well. So you don't always go off of plans then? You I don't always go off of plans. I, I certainly do my own creations as they're called. Um, and um, I, but I also like the plans too. And I like anytime I get a Lego set, I always build it out. And sometimes I keep it if it's really great. Sometimes I tear it down for parts. Okay. Gotcha. You, you should maybe look at that. Uh, I've not seen up at that Lego Masters show. Go on that. Yes, I have seen. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Do you, want, do you want me to ask the next no, Okay, so do you, do you have a guilty pleasure? Um, well, yeah, I guess food in general. I love eating and I have a hard time controlling how much I eat. Um, 
I, I like McDonald's burgers and I love, you know, Aquavit five, four, three Michelin star restaurant in New York and everything in between food. Just, yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, your favorite uh, place to visit. Ah, this is going to sound so cliche. Paris. I can't, I have never been to Paris, so I. <laughs> hey, you got to go. Sounds, sounds awesome. good to me. Sounds great to me. <laughs> uh, do you have a bucket list item? Um, you know, this is, this is a really hard question to answer in just a single word. Um, I, I, when you, when you asked, I, like when I saw the pre-list of questions, I was thinking about this. And so here's the funny thing about me. I'd be perfectly happy to die this second. I'm cool. I, I you know, like as, as far as I'm concerned, my life has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I've got some regrets here and there, but like whatever, right? And so I've never, I've never put together a bucket list because I kind of felt that way since my early twenties. It's like whatever happens, happens. You, that's a great answer, though, and it's a great, great way of looking at things because that just means you know you're happy with what you've accomplished and you have no regrets. That you're not worrying, you don't have a fear of missing out on something right now. Yeah, there's tons of stuff I want to do if I get the chance, but. Yeah, you know. <laughs> if you don't, you're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I'll make this the final question. I did have something written, but me being a bike guy as well, uh, and there's a couple of things I strive for. And my, I'm a. I prefer the long distance. Mm -hmm. But there, there's always one thing I do love, and that is speed. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've met your uh, targeted goal, but is there a speed that you would like to reach? Yeah, so so I'd like to be able to do 30 kilometers an hour for 50 kilometers straight. That would be, that's where I want to get to. Um, I'm not far from that for shorter distances that are still good, like, um, but but for the longer distance, it's tough. I'm, I'm at around 25 kilometers an hour for 50 kilometers, so um, still got a ways to go. Hey. <laughs> So it's a good Sounds goal like to have. Great to me. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, Michigan, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Likewise, it's, it's been a journey. I am, I'm blown away. I'm going to be thinking about this conversation for a while. You definitely, you've definitely surprised me. And this is what this is all about: is getting to know great people, and great businesses. But you have definitely uh, brought a smile to my face today. So I do appreciate. Uh, your time and uh, yeah, Kelly and I and Tech Next, we wish you nothing but the best. And um, Kelly, do you have any uh, final words? No, I was just gonna say thank you. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, and it was great hearing all your stories. Yeah, likewise, and great questions. Um, anytime, basically. I, you know, this is part of the problem. I like talking about myself, maybe just a little too much. But anyway, <laughs> um, so but thank you for the opportunity. I do really appreciate it. Awesome. It's a great way to get to know you. So thank you. We appreciate that. Awesome. We appreciate it. And uh, have a great day. Take care.